0: Invest in cleaner transport and your financial goals with Index IQ aligned with National Wildlife Federation. Invest in the cleaner ETF at CLNR. ETF.com.
1: consider the fund's investment objectives risks charges and expenses carefully before investing the prospectus includes this and other relevant information about the funds and is available by visiting IQETFs.com. read the prospectus carefully before investing alps distributors inc is the principal underwriter of the etfs nylife distributors llc is a distributor of the etfs alps distributors inc is not affiliated with nylife distributors llc nylife distributors llc is a member finra sipc
0: all right, guys, welcome to today 's show and on the show with me today i 've got Sean Trump. Sean is a guy that reached out to me on social media about being on the show and uh, he 's got his own premium duck company duck call company excuse me, and uh, I just love talking to him because by the end of the call. He was offering for me to come up there and hunt with him, like no questions asked, nothing in return, just to come up there and hunt with him. And he talked about his passion for getting new people involved in the sport, talked about public lands and how we can better preserve those. I mean, the conversation went a lot of different ways, but they were all great paths to take on a hunting and outdoor podcast. So listen along. I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode. I definitely enjoyed talking to him and I already kind of feel like we're friends, which I think it's cool like he was just that kind of guy on air on a zoom call i can say like i feel like he's one of my hunting buddies all of a sudden so dive into this one buckle up it's going to be a good show here we go
1: like he was doing things that were just badass
0: that was one of the coolest moments of my life i was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay Alright guys, welcome to today's show, and on the show with me today, I've got Sean Trump with Northern Timber Outfitters, he runs a premium duck call company, and if you check his stuff out after the show, you'll notice it is very well made, I mean I was looking at the quality of it just in pictures on his Instagram, and they look like seriously high quality duck calls, and so um, I'm excited to have him on, chat with him about hunting and fishing and the outdoor life up in Pennsylvania. So welcome to the show, Sean.
1: Hey, how's it going, Dan?
0: Pretty good. Um, Why don't you just go ahead and give us a brief overview of your hunting history, kind of how you got into the outdoors, um, waterfowl especially, and that way our, our listeners can get a little more familiar with you.
1: All right. So believe it or not, I actually, I didn't start out as a waterfowl hunter. Um, I'm 22 years old now, and I just got into waterfowl hunting about six years ago. But how I got started hunting was, is my family is huge into whitetail hunting. Um, I mean, that's just a big thing in general in Pennsylvania, especially in the southeastern part here. Um, and for as long as I can remember, like I was tagging along, uh, going hunting and stuff, you know, I had fake being sick at school just to get out and, and go out with my dad and, and the guys and stuff, um, and deer hunt. So, um, I got into that when, you know, at a young age. And then once I turned, um, 12, I got, you know, my hunting license and everything. And I started going out and, um, I think I was 13, 13. I got my first buck or no, I was 15 when I got my first buck. I was 13 when I got my first year. Nice. And I mean, I mean, after that, like I was hooked from the beginning, but after that, it was like, especially after the buck, I mean, I was hooked. It was like, like every chance I got, I was, I was going out, you know, even by myself just, you know, for a little bit, I would go out. So And then, um, I got into waterfowl hunting. It was just something I always wanted to do. It looked fun. And, you know, in all the videos you see on TV, it's like, oh man, this looks like fun. These guys are ripping through the marsh and this and that killing ducks. So, um, I wanted to, I wanted to give it a try. So I went and I picked up some decoys and some cheap calls and just, you know, I didn't go crazy to start. Um, just, Calls and decoys, you know. I had fishing waders and stuff. I just had, you know, regular camouflage, and I figured I'm, I'm going to give it a try and see it, see we can get out of this. Yeah. And um, the first season I went out was the best season we've had since I started hunting. Um, it was just, it was a cold year. Um, there were a lot of birds that were coming through the area, and um, after that, I was, I was hooked. You know, and I mean, now I. I probably spend the most time and effort in, in a waterfowl hunting. I still, you know, put a lot of time and effort in the whitetail hunting. Um, you know, during the summertime and stuff, I don't have to put as much time into it. You know, I just check in the cameras and stuff, but, uh, I, I am hooked on, on duck hunting for, for life. So. Yeah.
0: Waterfowl hunting has that ability to just hook you and like, once it's an you're addiction. in, you're in, yeah, it is. It really is like all your time, money, energy, like your Amazon shopping cart, it's probably just like mine. It's all full of duck hunting stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, I had a very similar story to you. I mean, when you when you said you'd fake being sick at school um, just to go hunting with your dad, I mean, that was me to a T. Luckily in Wisconsin, I think they kind of figured out that the whole week of deer rifle season is pointless to have school because nobody's going to attend. Um, yeah, <laughs> But yeah, I was the same way. It was like the entire week of Thanksgiving. If we didn't already have it off from school, I just would never go because it meant I could be in the woods with my uncle or my dad or my mom.
1: Yeah. When I, uh, when I was in school before I was old enough to get a license, you know, that's when I would had to fake, you know, being sick. And really it wasn't even fake. I'd go to the nurses office I'd put on a little show. <laughs> and it was just, you know, the magic words of I threw up in the bathroom or something. And I didn't even have to really throw up. I just had to say it. And they're yep. like, ah, oh, you got to go home. That's and, awesome. you know, I knew. I knew right away I, they were going to call my mom. My mom knew why I was faking it. I was faking it. And she would call my dad and come get me. But then um, once I got old enough to get a license, you know, uh, the first day of, of gun season, I was allowed off uh, from school and everything. So,
0: well, think about how much easier it is for students now. All they have to do is say that they've got a fever or a headache, and it's like COVID. Stay home.
1: Yeah, you better right.
0: believe. I mean, like two days before hunting season started, I would be telling all my teachers I wasn't feeling right.
1: I mean, I thought about doing it with work, but you know, my boss won't. Uh, he won't buy it. So <laughs> there was a couple of times where it was like I had like a close call with coming in contact with somebody, and when when I find out that they tested positive you know i told him like listen like i had to get tested this and that and he was like all right just get tested let me know like you know we do tree service work that's my you know my day job and okay. so we're not i don't ride in a truck with anybody i have my own truck you know so we're not like on top of each other so like he wasn't overly concerned like I'm gonna freak out about it but you know unless i you know <laughs> prove i tested positive there's no way i was using COVID to get out of work stuck on but
0: that's um, funny what do you what do you do uh tree service wise that I'm always curious because I've got friends that are arborists but you said you run a truck and I've seen those trucks that like cruise down the side of the highway with basically a giant chainsaw
1: on the side of it and yeah I don't drive something that cool but uh I drive um I have a big I have a it's a Ford F750 so it's it's a big truck um and it's just a chip body truck but it's older. It's from '96. Um, slow as all get out, and you know it. It's it's old, <laughs> but yeah. it's all right. You know, I enjoy driving it and stuff. Um, and uh, it's we just use it. We'll chip in it if we have to. Um, we'll put brush in it if we have to. We'll put wood in it if we have to. Um, it's kind of just you know it's utilized as our as our spare truck with my crew. So. Nice that I'm on, but yeah, um, we don't do like a lot of like highway stuff and all, you know, we're more residential, okay. some commercial stuff. Um, you know, we do stuff with cranes and all, um, we have bucket trucks. Um, you know, we do some, we do some big stuff, but we don't ever do like those big highway jobs at all.
0: Man, have you seen the, uh, this is totally unrelated to hunting and fishing, but have you seen those helicopters that fly around with the giant disc blades It's like a stack of disc blades and they just like run power lines or highway edges
1: yeah i i think those are cool i'd never want to fly one no you know? i
0: don't think i would either it's not only are you <laughs> crashing but you've got blades that could just split you right, in two right the
1: you blades know. on top are bad enough i don't you know <laughs> need all that below me exactly. so especially since you know helicopters just spend their entire time in the air fighting to keep themselves up it's like uh, yeah no thanks there's no way that's light underneath of that thing so i'll have to pass on that oh but. yeah
0: no way i'm out <laughs> yeah
1: I have really? gone up on the, on the crane before, um, I was 152 feet in the air Jeez. And that was cool. Yeah. It was cool where we were at. Like I could see down to Philadelphia, which was probably about 25 miles from where we were, um, just from up on top of the crane and stuff. And
0: That's it awesome. was
1: cool. It's, you know, you gotta, you gotta have somewhat of a, a thrill seeker in you for some of that stuff. Cause yeah. you know, it's just a rope. It's a rope and a saddle holding, holding your life. And it's, you know. In your hands so i
0: do I do great with heights if I'm over water. I mean, like in Wisconsin, I grew up cliff jumping on the rivers, I mean we'd jump, I'd dive off of stuff like thirty feet tall, no problem wasn't scared about it, but as soon as you get me over something else, like I don't like being in a skyscraper. I went up yeah. to the top of the rock in uh New York. I spent a summer on Long Island, like renovating a house and doing clean, like actually brushing tree cleanup on a Mm -hmm. couple of properties. And we would go into the city all the time. And even being up on top of the rock, I was like, nope, not interested. This is not for me at all. Yeah. I've got to be above something softer than concrete. I think.
1: Yeah. For me, like heights and stuff, they heights don't bother me. Um, As far as like kind of that, real seeker mentality like that just you know send it um it's i don't know sometimes i i have it and sometimes i don't um my my one brother has it he has no fears whatsoever (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't think before he does stuff but um for me sometimes you know depending on the the mood and the you know, kind of the vibe that's going on. Sometimes I'll have that thrill seeker mentality, but yeah. not all the time. So,
0: well, um, sorry. I kind of took this all over the place there for a second. Um, let's, let's go back to, uh, talking about your duck call company. Um, you shared okay. with me before we actually started recording, but why don't you share with the listeners how you got into making duck calls? Cause I found this very fascinating.
1: So um, my my dad and I used to love just watching the show Duck Dynasty, watching those guys down at Duck Commander um, (laughs) just because we thought it was hilarious. You know, it's like, how did these, how did these rednecks get this reality TV show? It's always Um, fun
0: watching rednecks that are rich.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. I would absolutely spend my money on that or go do that. The
1: possibilities are, you know, endless and and what can go on. So we would watch it. My dad would, And I, we would watch the one episode where they're catching the frogs on the golf course pond over and over again because we just thought it was so hilarious. But um, as I told you, I'm very good at learning and figure out how to how to do things from um, just my observations. In fact, a lot of you know just the stuff I became good at at my job was from that, and um, just from the little like tidbits of what those guys were doing with the calls on camera i figured i kind of figure out how to do it and then i got really close you know without you know a lathe and all the crazy tools you need and stuff and um for some reason i just put it down and i didn't pick it up again until i was like 16 when i got in the duck hunting i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this so you know i i got a lathe i got a drill press um I started ordering some blanks and stuff and turning some stuff and then I got inserts and for the longest time, you know, I turn a blank and I put an echo insert in it and it was like, okay, it's good to go. And then, um, you know, I wanted to start growing and expanding. So I started posting some pictures of stuff and some Facebook groups and all. And then I got hit with the harsh reality of it's not, your duck claw, if you just stuff it with an echo insert yeah. and i was like ah and then i got a hold of somebody um who has a cnc shop in missouri and they do a lot of duck call parts and stuff and he said design an insert you know create a blueprint for it send it to me and we will we'll turn an insert for you and we'll send you a couple if you like them we'll make you some. so nice. um i took some time and i kind of designed something up you know a shape and everything and um you know he kind of assisted with you know what to do with the tone board and such and um i got in my design he gave me some he got me some inserts and i love them um and actually there i for my first order of them i was like i'm gonna go with coke bottle like a coke bottle colored insert um and i just thought it looked cool (laughs) I was, and then I got them like, ah, like, oh, what am I going to pair these with? Like, there's no way this is going to work with anything. And I have found that I actually like how they look in just about any type of wood. I put them in any nice. type of wood that, you know, I turn into a call and I use the sensor. I'm like, you know, that actually looks good with that. Like it just, I don't know, for some reason to me it fits and it, and it looks good. So, um, that was how you know I got started with that. And then, um, you know, I, I, uh, I wouldn't do, I didn't do a lot of bands at first. Um, I turn everything by hand everything from start to finish on the call is done by hand, um, except for the actual machining of the insert, um, cause they're acrylic. So they're done on a CNC, that CNC machine. Um, but I get a, I get a wood blank and, um, you know, it has to be drilled out and then, um, you know, it's about four inches long when I start with it. And it's a square and, um, yeah, I'll shorten it to the size I need it to be. And then I, you know, I'll turn it and then I fit it for the band. So literally, you know, we're talking, I'm taking it down a little bit, sanding it, checking it, you know, and fitting the band to the call. Um, and then, um, I usually start by fitting the band to the call, um, just because if the band's not going to fit, the blank can't be used for like, if I take it too far down, the blank can't be used for, um, what I want to do with that call. So if I can't yeah. fit the band to it, you know, I'll just start over again, but I've gotten pretty good at it. It's, it's difficult. Cause you know, you're talking precise measurements. If you take it down just a little too far, the band, you know, has room for room for error further, you know, down the line in the calls life, you know, out in the marsh and the wetness and stuff. Um, so yeah, then I, I sand them down. Um, I have an engraver that um, I burn uh, my logo. I can do call like I can customize stuff. Um, I can put people's names or something on the call. Um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, So it was it was cool. It was, it was the, the coolest thing I ever bought. I actually uh, um, I just started a new line of uh, leather patch hats, um, and it works for them. Um, it actually works really well. And it's been a pretty versatile machine um, for the stuff I'm doing as far as, you know, duck calls go and, you know, like the leather patch hats, um, turkey calls, all sorts of stuff like that. It just, it does, it's not very big, but it just, it works for everything I need to do. And it's great. So, um, yeah, I'll do like a call engraving and stuff. And then I tune the insert. Um, I usually, uh, my most popular one's been a triple read insert um I designed I designed a way I cut the reeds um so they all don't completely cover each other they all lay so that at some point one is not touching the other so there's no dimple to them and it sounds it sounds really good um all my buddies love them um I've donated a few to some Ducks Unlimited events and I mean the guys that that you know the DU guys they love them um and the people who get them Really like them, so that's kind of been just mainly what I've been what I've been doing is this triple reads. So. Nice.
0: Where where do you sell them? I mean, are you selling them like at events? Is it word of mouth? Do you have a website? how How are you going about selling and marketing those?
1: So, um, I do have a website. We um, actually technically I have two. Uh, I had a website for years, and I spent I spent I think it was close to sixty hours one month um, website editing. Okay. And it just I hated it. When I was done, I hated it. So I got I did some research and I got a um a new website builder and I put a new one together. Um and that's where it's it's I'm still working on getting some stuff up there. There's not a lot of stuff on there yet. Um just entering it in and stuff. Um is a little different. Um but you know I have calls up there and all and that's that's where everybody can get my calls. I don't have them in any big stores yet. Okay. Um and then yeah, I use uh social media for a lot of you know, a lot of my advertising, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yes. So, um that has been something that's been a challenge just I'm not very tech savvy. I'm not very uh in with you know, all the new technology and social media. So, figuring out how that stuff works has been my biggest challenge. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: No, I feel you there. I'm, I'm thankful my wife knows what she's doing because I'm like, I don't, I don't ever think like if I'm out doing something, I'm never like, oh, I need to put this on TikTok or I need to put Mm. this on Instagram. But my wife, her, her mind operates that way. And that's kind of what's keeping me going. I mean, that's what, that's why I have like 99% of my listeners is because of, things that she's got me to do on TikTok or, you know, marketing or yeah. that way. So
1: I will say, um the TikTok channel I have is new. Um I just started that maybe two months ago. Um it's growing. It's actually growing pretty well. It's uh um statistically it's growing faster than the Instagram page is. Nice. Um the Instagram page is kind of plateaued somewhat as of right now but at the same time i've shifted some the majority of my focus to tiktok just because it's kind of the new in app yeah. um so trying to get that to grow and um i will say as far as uh footage and stuff goes it seems like we never have a camera rolling but <laughs> it's something it's like ah like you know it's like we should like we should just wear cameras like that should have been on camera like you know we were out we were just scouting for ducks one uh, like a couple weeks ago actually I think we were going to check out a new spot that we wanted to to look at for the season and um we had um alone Drake Mallard just go right over the boat we're cruising up the river in the boat flew right over and I told him I'm like yo and he cuts the motor and he had his calls on just because he just he wears them everywhere <laughs> and he blew uh the trip recall and i mean this bird black wings and just 20 yards from the boat laying you know, right next to us oh man. and i'm like i was like why didn't we film that like why did we why, this is the stuff we need to film <laughs> so it's like my brain just doesn't it hasn't quite learned that it's like i have to focus on that stuff too it's just me it's like oh look at this you know i get all excited because it sucks oh but yeah yeah my my girlfriend she's pretty good with social media stuff um she she doesn't hunt you know her family just wasn't into that um i've gotten her gotten her into fishing uh she loves fishing so it's a good um, intro
0: into the outdoors
1: yeah so uh we got her we had her shoot some guns the other day um so she said she wants to get a hunting license and try it out um but you know as far as sometimes like what stuff the post for like duck hunters and stuff. It's like, she kind of knows how the social medias work, but um, not necessarily always what to post, like, you know, what we need to obtain footage of the post. So yeah. that's been a struggle. One thing that has been good is, is um, as far as like apparel and stuff goes, and just the way things look and, you know, are, will appeal to people. She's been very helpful with that just because, um her taste is a little different like with my shirts and stuff you know yeah i was all about you know yeah just a center logo center chest logo center chest logo on like my shirts and she was like no you should do some as a left chest and i was like i disagree but go ahead sure, and why not <laughs> you know i wear the left chest one more than i wear the center and it was like all right i'll start asking for your opinion on stuff yeah, they do. <laughs> so,
0: i mean to have somebody else to bounce off bounce your ideas off of and to get extra input from i just think that's huge I'm, no matter who it is whether it's girlfriend spouse or you know yeah. friends family anytime you can get multiple um people to give you input i feel like that's yeah. the way to go
1: and, I mean, it's it's great, this whole thing, because, I mean, this is a dream of mine, and it's still somewhat of a pipe dream, just because, you know, this is a hard, it's a hard industry, I would say, oh, yeah. to start a company in, Um and I would say particularly, like, with game calls and stuff, just because there's so many people that make them, there's so many do-it-yourselfers out there, it's like, to create something unique, Um and create, you know, a brand image, especially where I'm located in southeastern PA. You know, it's it's pretty populated. It's more of a suburban, you know, area than a rural area. Yeah. Um, And we don't have, you know, we just don't have the, the habitat and stuff to have, you know, massive amounts of ducks like you see in the TV shows and in Arkansas and all that stuff. So it's been difficult. But the cool thing is just, you know, friends and family have been real supportive with it, you know. Um, my dad has, he jumped on board with, with all that. And he, he'd call me all the time. Hey, I had this idea. Hey, I had this idea, you know, and, and he just loves it. He, <laughs> I give him shirts and stuff all the time. And he just, he wears them all the time. He loves it. That's cool. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, my buddy, uh, my buddies, Corey and James, um, if you watch any of our stuff on YouTube or you look at any of our social media stuff, you'll probably see them mentioned quite a bit. Um, even in like some of the TikToks and stuff, um, those guys, uh, are the two guys I hunt with the most and, you know, they, you know, they're the ones I'm doing stuff with every weekend, you know, whether it's fishing or bass fishing, whatever it is. And, um, they're probably, you know, my biggest help with when it comes to, you know, doing stuff to just kind of help create one, like a good, you know, brand image and stuff. Like, you know, you, you got to know what you're doing to yeah. just you know to make calls because you have to know they work so you know they're you know helping with all sorts of stuff and it's just great you know yeah, it's that's cool. cool to have it's,
0: friends it's... that like support you in it and not only that but want to be a part of it i know i mean yeah. for my first like dozen episodes of the podcast all i did was have friends on friends and family and it's just cool to have something that like you can all get together and do and have a good time with um yeah there's something about that All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. Now, if you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain or in the marsh or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention it smells great, so now when I get home after a week of elk hunting, my wife can't complain as much. I need to tell you, though, I've gotten to know Brian, the founder, over the past couple months, and he's an awesome guy. He makes all of this by hand in North Dakota out of clean products. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even something awesome like helping donate money to cover the surgery costs of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out Bull Elk Beard Oil. And you can get 20% off with the code Nomadic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just that's the thing. It's like they're here to help me because they want to see me succeed, and they don't expect anything in return. Um, you know, if if this goes where I wanted to, it's like you know, you guys don't have to work that crappy day job anymore. <laughs> you know, come work for me, and we'll just you know we'll make we'll make products throughout the year, and Duck Dynasty you know 2.0. we'll push. Yeah. That's what everybody calls us. It's like, you know, it's like, I don't want to be a copycat, you know, but it's like, it's kind of cool that
0: you're going to copy anybody copy those guys though.
1: Yeah. They're
0: they're a good time. If I could hang out with that crew, I'd be in heaven.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, they're, they're an awesome, awesome crew from from everything I've seen. They're just, you know, seem like a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah. You touched on it a little bit like um, hunting up in, in Pennsylvania, in suburban areas, what, like, how do you view that? Or how do you find, um, that to be different than, you know, if you were out in Kansas hunting, what, what is your hunting strategy look like when you're waterfowl hunting there?
1: So, um, you know, I've only ever hunted in Pennsylvania. Um, this year I will be going, making a trip to Jersey, um, New Jersey and possibly Louisiana. Um, that's still up in the air. But, um, you know, from watching, you know, videos and stuff, uh, the biggest thing is, is, and even Western Pennsylvania, where the Susquehanna and stuff comes through, um, they have more birds. There's just more birds that come through. That's, you know, that's probably a tough thing. You know, you know, you don't need to have a lot of birds to, to be a waterfowl Um But when I'm talking, there's some days where we will go out and we will be out there till lunchtime and see no ducks it happens like none (laughs) we'll get up and move and not see ducks yeah um the biggest uh, one of the other big things is um waterways um we have a couple little creeks um but being in suburban you know a suburban area um you can't always hunt all of them like you know there's stretches with houses and stuff um there's three major creeks in the area there's um the skip back the Perky Omen and the Schuylkill and the skip back flows in the Perky and the Perky flows in the Schuylkill. So that's how, um, those work and you can hunt part of the skip back where it runs through the state park, but even then you can't hunt all of it. And that's, that's small. I mean, you know, it's, it's never more than chest deep at the most and it's not very wide, but, um, like last year I shot, um, three wood ducks. I had my wood duck limit in, 10 minutes Dang. on opening day so it's it's hit or miss um but like perky Omen, you can't hunt any of it it's okay. all um county park and it's no hunting um the schuylkill that that's that's our big river in this area is the schuylkill um the next closest one would be the delaware and then the susquehanna um the schuylkill is where we primarily duck on um it, it holds more birds than the other creeks um the the percume probably holds a lot of birds, but we don't even waste our time looking just because we can't hunt it. Um, if I drive over a bridge, obviously, you know, my, you know, if I'm driving along or something, my attention is focused on other ducks waterfowl there, guy.
0: But, So anytime there's water
1: crops, right. <laughs> water reeds. you know, a flooded puddle on the side of the road. <laughs> I've yeah, seen I've them seen in lawns, there. That's the thing like golf courses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, And then, you know, the skip back um, in the early season, it's it's great wood duck creek. The habitat is just there. Um, There's a lot of um, older trees and stuff along there. Um, We have a lot of ash trees, which are dying off um, up here. And um, they just, you know, they have plenty of habitat, nesting habitat and stuff. I saw 60 wood ducks on opening day in two hours and i was just i was amazed like i was losing my mind i'm like i've never seen this many wood ducks in my life up here like yeah. this is crazy and it was just cool um and that was probably my best hunt in a couple of years is, is that one right there
0: wood ducks have to be my favorite like just They're beautiful. the way that they look the way that they fly the noises they make i mean mm-hmm. if i could hunt anything i mean obviously there's like the exotic species of birds or like the ones that yeah. i don't have here but anything local it would be wood ducks for sure
1: mm-hmm. yeah i uh i shot a beautiful drake should have got it mounted but i didn't you know came right in cupped up and just when he realized it was. It was a bad move. It was too late. And it was just, it was like picture perfect. Like yeah. it was beautiful. Um, and It was a beautiful bird. Um, My buddy, but...
0: my buddy sent me a picture. I think it was last year or two years ago. Now uh, he went down back to Mississippi where he's from. Um, He went down there and did a water waterfowl hunt and he shot three wood ducks. One of them was banded and they were mm-hmm. all three just beautiful drakes. I was like, come on, man. Like how come I can't I feel like I go four or five seasons without shooting a wood duck here.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you ever want to shoot them, you know, just let me know. We will, we'll take you out on a hunt up here. So just oh. cause it's a little different doesn't mean we don't have the spots, you know, we'll that take you out. We'll awesome. Get, yeah. We'll get you hooked up and stuff.
0: I'd be down. Um, I I'm like, I think I just need to start making that proposition to every podcast guest. Like, Hey, I'll trade you a hunt for a hunt. You come here I'll take you out hunting or, you know, fishing or whatever it is that we're going to talk about. And then you don't even have
1: to offer that to me. I'm I'm just, I love getting people out hunting. I love taking people hunting. Um, To me, one of the best ways to build friendships is with hunting and and fishing, just being in outdoors, because it's more than just a friendship. You know, you have a, you're a respect, a different respect for nature. And um, I just feel like, you know, the outdoor activities, they bring people together in a different way. You know, like my greatest friends, I have zero friends from when I was in school. And, you know, that was four years ago. Yeah. Uh, all my friends have been made outside of school through hunting and stuff. And those friendships are greater than any other friendships I ever had. You know, well,
0: I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm in the same boat. All of my closest friends are all people that I hunt, fish, camp, float, you name it, doing stuff in the outdoors. I've got one friend. I've known him. His name's Chris. I've known him for, man, it's got to be just shy of 15 years now. And we were talking about it like a month or two ago. We've never watched a movie together. Never. (laughs) And I I was like, you know how weird that is? And he's like, "I, I just have never really thought about it. I was like, yeah, but we've literally never sat down and watched a movie together because every time we're together, we're outside doing something, we're with our families, we're sitting around a fire or, you know, we're on a camping trip or a hunting trip or something like that. And he's one of my closest friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that that's the same way with, you know, Corey James and I. Um, I do have another friend, Zach. Uh, he just moved out to, he's actually living right on the Susquehanna. He, he's he been my best friend for the longest time. Um, and I mean, we're still close, but um, Zach and Corey and James and I, like the only time we all sit down together for anything, it's the hunter fish. It's just, you know, yeah, we yeah. don't watch movies and do all that stuff. It's when we're together, we're hunting, fishing, shooting bows. you know, we're doing something outside, you know, it's, it's awesome. And it's the best friendships that I could ask for.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so tell me, tell me a little bit more. I mean, when you guys go out, you say, you said you're mostly hunting rivers when you get out and hunt. Mm -hmm. Is it, I mean, are you always floating on boats? Are you, uh, just bank hunting? Uh, how do you go about hunting the rivers there in
1: PA? So I would say, um, we do a little of everything. Um, okay. We have some pop up lines and stuff like some a frames and all. We will utilize those uh, if we have a spot for them. And we have you know spots from you know on a like ten mile stretch of this river. You know we got different spots that we access from different launches and stuff. Um, we don't really do any floating. Okay. The the river is just it's just at that perfect size where it's just like it's too big to float you know you get we've tried it before you get so close to the birds and by the time you get like trying to sneak up on them they take off yeah uh we do use the boats um we hunted out of those a few times but primarily um what we do is is we'll we'll pull up to a spot we'll get out we'll unload everything and Two guys will start on a blind, somebody's putting decoys out, and we will just we'll brush ourselves in with natural stuff and we'll make something natural nice. on the side of the river. That way we're not um, building something that's leaving out there, one, because it's a waste of time. Yeah. The hurricanes and stuff that come up here, you know, every once in a while and the flooding that um, we get 90% of the time, they don't make it a season. So a lot of times, primarily we just we're building natural stuff and, and setting up on it. Um, and then we'll hide the boat we'll put it downstream, tuck it in a, you know, a washed up tree on the side there and just lay some, you know, camo over top of it. And it works, you know, we see birds, we we kill birds. Um, you know, we're not dragging a limit out. Um, sometimes not even between the three of us every time, but I know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, we don't, you know, the birds are smart to come through here. You know, they've been. They've been shot at, and honestly, I think it's just they're able to just pick it out just because there's so many, I think, with just the amount of people and stuff, they just, in this area, they just pick out, like, ah, that's not right. You know, they know. These guys aren't giving me bread. (laughs) These guys in that blonde. Um, Sometimes we're just horrible with you know, brushing ourselves in. It looks great in the dark and then it's like daytime and it's like, ah, <laughs> oh. yeah, they can see us from, you know, a mile over. <laughs> so, but this year, um, as I was telling you before we started, a uh, place where um, I do some dirt biking and my buddy James does some dirt biking and stuff. There's, it's an old silt basin and it's in between the, uh, the railroad Tracks and the Skruple River. And um, there's one, basin part of the basin that's like flooded timber and that one's actually pretty deep um that's where i was seeing some blue wing teal last year and then there's like a marsh pond where it's just it's just this pond that's surrounded by marsh grass and it you know it's like a picture perfect looking uh duck hole but in between both of those is um this big flooded timber patch that is surrounded by like 50 yards of just thick reeds on all sides. And Corey and I were back in there the other day and we're walking through and I'm like, Corey, I feel like I'm in Louisiana. Like this looks like something off a of TV. Like, you know, there's just, there's birds flying here, you know, there's turtles. Like, I feel like, you know, I should be on a TV show like in Louisiana. Like this is crazy. And there was just ducks everywhere. And I was like, Like, we got to hunt this. We should have hunted this last year. I knew it was here. I just never put the time into it. So um, it's a mile ride by -by side-by-side or by boat. You can do either one. Um, Side-by-side is easier um, to get back to this hole. Um, So what we did was is it's hard to scout. The other reason why it's hard to scout is if you get too close during the daytime and stuff, the birds just go into the reeds and they disappear we walked through some of the little cutouts in the reeds and they're just all over in between, you know, the different reed channels and, you know, over here in this little pocket and over there in that little pocket. So what we did was we bought one of those cellular cameras and we stuck it back there. Um, And we're going to take it down before the season, just because I feel like i like it it's cool because it, you know it sends a picture right to my phone it's like oh check this out but yeah. it's just i feel like to a certain extent that's cheating you know we're using it for now just so we can kind of see what's going on back there um the really cool thing has been seeing all the the broods of ducklings um there's oh, a couple dude. wood ducks back there with like a dozen and it was just so cool to see it's like look this is awesome so
0: that is sweet yeah my my buddy in South Carolina, he actually found a wood duck duckling um, underneath his camper. He, oh. He's got his camper parked back near a little swamp um, by a clear cut. And his wife called him one day and she's like, there's a little bird underneath the camper. And there's a little wood duck duckling. But yeah, man, it's there's something about like pursuing a certain species of animal, but then also being able to witness them... Um, like reproduce or like have offspring. I I was pulling up my driveway today with the kids and I looked out and there was two turkeys and about a dozen poults chasing after the, the hen. That's awesome. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Just to like watch the whole cycle happen with waterfowl, with wildlife in general.
1: There's something Absolutely. About yeah. And kind of going off of that, um, uh... I'm big into making the duck haul and stuff and and hunting. But a side that I've kind of have been trying to grow with this whole company is conservation work, you know. You see the stuff ducks on It does, and it's just it's huge. But um it's like we gotta do more, you know. Like yeah. they're not making any more land, they're not making any more of this stuff. It's like we have to put a focus on this. So we started doing wood duck nesting boxes and mallard nesting tubes um nice those were actually our first youtube videos with how to make those i joined a ducks unlimited committee i'm on the committee board for this chapter and we go to the events and everything and then we're working on some stuff we actually want to have a line of um i'm looking at hopefully calls and like apparel and stuff a line of gear where just if you buy the certain gear From us it's like we're going to take this much of it and we're going to put it towards um building nesting boxes and building tubes and you know even if we're not getting them out places and stuff you know i uh i work with the game commission we're going to be banning you know ducks and turkeys and and putting nesting structures out in the spring and stuff um it's just we want to give back and do conservation work and obviously you know we're starting kind of here but as the company grows, it's something that I would like to grow, you know, out of the state, you know, I'd like it to go different places and everything. Yeah, so,
0: Man, that's awesome that you guys are getting involved in that kind of work. There's, I, I feel like anybody who's in the outdoors needs to get involved in some type of organization, whether it's like the national deer Alliance, the wild sheep foundation, um, NWTF or, RMEF, I mean, DU, you name it. Like there's so many opportunities to become a part of the change that we want to see happen, whether Mm -hmm. it be with like legislation or growing the natural, uh, like the national or public lands that we have, um, helping recover certain species in areas. Like there's so much going on, even here in Missouri, they're opening, they opened up elk hunting last year They're opening up a bear season this year. And if it wasn't for all these organizations, like we would not have the game that we do right now. We wouldn't have the opportunities to hunt that we do right now. And especially not the land that we have to hunt.
1: Right. And I would say, you know, land is, is a huge part of it. Um, Statistically, um, new hunters are on the decline across the country. Yep. And a lot of people don't see it that way because when they're out on public land, they just feel like they're so overcrowded and they're getting pissed off because this guy set up 50 yards from us that it's like, what the biggest thing is, is in general hunters can be just jerks. Like most hunters are jerks and not like all the time, but like when they're out hunting, they're jerks and I understand it. Like I would get upset too, if somebody set up too close to me, but it's, you have to take the time to, if it's a new hunter, Invest in them because they're the future of this, and that could be the difference. You take in a few minutes to invest, be like, Hey, listen, like you know, talking to them in the parking lot beforehand, figuring out yeah. where everybody's going to go, just so everybody doesn't get frustrated, and helping that person become better aware of what's going on in public land and how to hunt it could be the difference between you know, a license sale next year, yeah. a duck stamp next year. And to me, it's just like huge, it's like I'm watching you know, places we used to have permission to hunt in my area just disappear. They turn into developments, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, this is going to disappear. And the only way that it's going to stop disappearing is if we can generate this new um, group of younger and newer hunters and create that um, need in that, you know, that um, support for more public land or, um, just making sure that you know we're respectful of people with private land and stuff to bring back kind of that, you know, th- we have hunting land aspect. You know, people don't in this area, especially don't aren't just openly given out like invitations to come. You know, hunt their public or private land, and yeah. it's hard to get private land spots. So a lot of the hunting that's done is 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 public land, and and in my opinion, it's like. Conservation work is it's one, it's a great way to get people involved because you may have somebody who's a non-hunter but loves um wildlife and stuff. So they're willing to contribute to conservation just because you know they like watching wildlife. You know, you could have somebody who they just their hobby is they like to go out and photograph ducks with their broods. Well, a nesting structure is going to, you know, give them that, that opportunity. Yep. And you know, they could buy a duck stand. Like, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. And I think it really just all comes down to it's like us as hunters have to be open to um, giving guidance to new hunters um, and young hunters and getting, and getting those people involved. And, you know, that's why like, you know, I offered you, like, you can come up with us. You know, I offer people all the time. If yeah. you want to come out and hunt, you don't owe me anything. I don't expect anything in return, you know, You just got to show up, you know, we will, we will get you out and we'll get you involved because that's the only way that this is going to be around for, for generations is to just keep bringing in those new, those new hunters and educating people. And we're all out there to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, Corey and James laugh at me because I'll get on the Facebook group sometimes and, I mean, I I lay into the guys sometimes when they're just chewing out somebody new or chewing out somebody for helping somebody out. One time, this guy said that he had like two dozen decoys to give away for free to a newer hunter or to somebody who who needed some decoys and wanted to get into it and just couldn't afford it. And this one guy was just ripping them like, oh, if you can't afford it, you know, this and that. And I mean, I I, like laid into the guy and finally he just, you know, he had enough. But it was just like, you're really ripping this guy it's his first of all it's his decoys Who wants to give him away let him For give him real. away and it's like you're acting like this is some high class like sport you know elite sport it's not an elite sport you know that right there is the difference between somebody new getting into it or not by you bashing this guy you know For it's really. like it's like come on now so you know aside from from hunting and stuff and just the business it's just i love getting people involved I love conservation work because I want to be able to hunt and enjoy it for the rest of my life. And, you know, I want the future generations to enjoy that. So I would say kind of like my vision for my conservation work and, you know, bringing new people into this would honestly go farther and it's bigger than what, you know, I kind of have planned for my business just because eventually, you know, I would, I would love to just be doing more of that than just. You know, selling duck calls and stuff. But yeah, you know, the duck calls are kind of a stepping stone for me to get there.
0: That's cool, man. But, it's it's always awesome to hear other people that are passionate about getting new hunters out there. I mean, that's something that I've always wanted to do or tried to do. Um is even a, even if it's somebody who may have hunted in the past, they don't have to be like first time ever. Because what I've noticed is a lot of people have hunted. They've had an experience in the past, whether it be with their uncle or grandpa or friend, but they haven't had the consistency or the place to go or, you know, they it, it may have been an initial thing and then nothing moving forward. And they would love to do it and they would stick with it if they could learn more. And so I like getting people like that out. Um, don't get me wrong, I take new hunters out that have never done it. Even my wife, I, I got her out last year. Um, she shot her first whitetail. She was so pumped about it. Um, I like taking kids out, but if it, yeah, if we don't almost reproduce as hunters, like I'm not saying like have kids of our own, but be able to, um, educate educate. and like bring knowledge about the sport and the accessibility of it to people who don't know, like it's going to die off. It's only going to be a matter of another generation or two and the land's going to all get sold off. The opportunities are going to die off. Um, and so I encourage everybody who's listening, if you're into the outdoors, hunting, fishing, whatever it is that you're passionate about, try to share that passion with somebody else because, um, we need it. We need to, we need to start getting our numbers up as hunters, fishers, and outdoorsmen.
1: Yeah. Like, like you were saying, we we have to educate, you know, educate people and, and grow those there's new hunters in it and i I mean the biggest thing is some of it's just education they they might like it they might do it but they just don't know so yeah you know they don't invest a lot of time or money into it they don't bother getting involved with an organization because they're not that big into it you know like i have a little brother he's 11 he just got his first turkey this year oh that's cool it's like you know he's not he doesn't know like how to go out and scout for that he's not old enough to just hop in the truck and go scout but it's like i am so you know i was taking him out and showing him and then it was like you know i'm going out and doing it because you know he can't cover as much ground as i can and stuff but it's like i know how to do this stuff and it was just he was hooked after he got that first turkey this year it's like come on like you know i want to go again it's like you only get one tag you gotta wait but it's just you know, it, it's, it's that education factor wow. too, because it's not just about, you know, killing a deer or killing turkey or killing ducks. It's bigger than that. You know, yeah. you get to just spend time outside, you know, it's, it's exercise, it's healthy for you. Like there's so much more to it than just, than just killing. And it, it's great. And,
0: and I think
1: the young, go ahead.
0: There's, there's like an intimidation factor too, that comes with it that Um, It's hard to get past for people. I mean, even for me being, I mean, I've hunted east of the Mississippi River almost all my life and it wasn't until I moved out to, uh, well, actually I moved down to Missouri and started hunting here, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't hunt a lot of things for the first few years I was here because I didn't know where to go. I mean, I could have looked it up on, on, on maps and stuff, but Onyx wasn't around at that point. Um, I didn't know you know, the local spots to go after ducks. I didn't have any private land permissions or anything like that. And so it wasn't until I met a couple other people here that hunted on public land for waterfowl and they invited me out. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, there actually is a ton of places to do it. And same thing with uh, Western big game hunting. I moved out to Colorado and I don't know how long it would have taken me to get my first elk had it not been for people who knew the area, who lived there, who had been hunting there for a long time that just invited me out. And I'm an avid outdoorsman. Like if I can be doing anything, it is hunting or fishing. Um, but even yeah, as somebody who has that as their number one passion, I, I wouldn't have had any idea how to figure out the draw process in Colorado, um, where I can hunt, what method of take uh, I can use in certain areas. But when people, like when hunters really do take someone under their wing, whether it be a brand new hunter or somebody who just is inexperienced in a certain field, that's a game changer. And I mean, look at me now, like starting a podcast, if I was just a whitetail hunter and that's all I did was, you know, whitetail hunt in Wisconsin all my life, I probably wouldn't be this passionate about it and share about it, but it's because of all these other experiences that I've had. And I realize now how easy it is and how accessible it is for everybody to get out and do that. Like, I want to share that with people.
1: Yeah. And one thing like you were saying is you wouldn't, you know, with the, the elk draw process and stuff in Colorado and where you can hunt, where you can't hunt, what, you know, you can use. Um, I, I would say that's something that I've struggled with with hunting ducks. Like here in South Eastern PA, it's kind of like a, a dead zone in between like, you know, the coast and then, you know, the flyway cutting down to the Chesapeake Bay. Okay. And I've always wanted to get down to like Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey. And it's like, but I'm trying to read their regulations and stuff on that, where I can hunt, what I, you know, and it's just like, this like, I need a lawyer for this like yeah. to break all this stuff down for me. It's like, I don't get it. Like I can read ours fine. And, and, you know, I know what to do in my state. And it wasn't until, you know, um, I actually bought some decoys off a guy in Jersey and stuff and, you know, was talking with him and all. And he, you know, he said, well, come down here and you can hunt with me and uh, and I'll, you know, kind of show you things. And it was just like, boom, that right there. You know, it's, I, I know how to hunt. Like I do this. It's, it's not like it's a new thing for me, but it was just that, that kindness and that let me educate you on hunting here in this area it was just a big thing because, you know, if he's doing that for me and then it's like, I can show people and stuff. It's just, it's a chain reaction. And it's important that, you know, we have people who, who think that way. Sorry, my I've got my phone recording right now
0: also. and I just adjusted something in the whole zoom arm that my phone is taking off of fell. So if you heard that loud thud, that's what it was. <laughs> um Well man, I appreciate you hopping on with me in like like you, I hope, I hope that this platform, the podcast and all of that can go towards way more than just being entertaining and we can get more people out hunting and fishing and contributing, um, in whatever way possible. And dude, I'm absolutely going to take you up on the Pennsylvania duck hunting trip. And you've got an open invite. If you ever want to come out, come on down and check out Missouri and what Missouri has to offer we don't have the part of Missouri I'm in doesn't have a ton of birds, but we do have birds. And we do have quite a bit of teal. I know you said you're excited about that. <laughs> um but if we go just a little bit, oh man. All right. I'm going to be done with this phone. Just fell on me again. Um he, Yeah, if we go just a little bit, like an hour, hour and a half in any direction, the hunting significantly improves. And so just let me know, man, if you want to make a yeah, trip down here, bring, bring a buddy or two. I know you mentioned you're pretty close with a couple of your hunting buddies. Um,
1: Corey's actually from Missouri Oh, and his dad um, grew up waterfowl hunting in Missouri. So nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny you say that, but yeah, I, I will definitely have to take you up on that.
0: Well, Sean, before I let you go, um, could you share with anybody listening, where they can find your stuff, whether it be like purchase your calls or follow you on social media, watch your YouTube videos, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, on Facebook, we're just Northern Timber Outfitters and um, our YouTube is the same. Um, Instagram and TikTok, our username is North T Outfitters. Um, And then our website Uh, URL is northerntimberoutfitters.com. So the links are in the bios on all our social media platforms. Um, and then if you want to follow us, if you need something custom done, you know, you want like your name, put on a call or something, you can reach out to me, um, through the website or through social media, either one. So I check everything daily and all. So that's where you can find everything we're doing, see what we're doing, you know, keep up to date with all that stuff.
0: Very cool. Now I've got one last question for you just because um, I thought of this while you were talking about like hand turning your duck calls and doing that whole deal. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried to incorporate like a deer antler into a duck call? Because my mom actually started making deer antler and elk antler rings um mm-hmm. like wedding rings or just rings that you wear on your fingers if i were to get like a band made out of a deer antler could you incorporate that into a duck into a duck call somehow
1: yeah so if you get the band made and you send it to me i, I can put it on a call for you sweet so i gonna yeah, have to
0: uh have a custom call made soon that that seems like it would be awesome
1: yeah absolutely man yeah that's one thing like i'm always open to if if you don't see something on my website that you like and you know you still want a call that's kind of you know has a little more meaning put to it being you know hand-turned and crafted and everything you know, you can reach out i can get you different types of wood and stuff and i mean i can do that for anybody right. um the only thing that kind of stays the same is, is the insert stays the same but you know, as far as bands go and stuff, I can show people varieties of bands and all that stuff. So if, if you want to send me a deer antler, I'll put it on a call for you.
0: Yeah, that sounds really sweet. Um, now, I, I always forget to do this. I started this segment called unloading the chamber. And basically, it's just my way of letting you have a last word, a last thought piece of advice, anything like that for the listeners. And I probably forget to do it like 90% of podcasts, but I remembered this time. So if you had anything to leave listeners with, uh, what would that be?
1: We talked a lot about, you know, just getting new people involved. And I would say next time, you know, you're out hunting or fishing and you think about getting irritated with that that person that got too close to you or kind of what you might think has messed up your hunt, you know, take the time to just mentor them and, and show them, you know, how how to become better at it. And, and do it in a, a kind way and do it in a a way that is going to keep them coming back, um, to enjoy the sport.
0: Man, that's great advice. Um, and I really do appreciate you again for hopping on the call with me and I look forward to getting out on a hunt with you and connecting with you more in the future. And I'm going to chat with my mom about getting a band, um, sent up to you made out of deer antler so I can, So I can be blown on one of your calls next year.
1: All right. Sounds good, man.
0: Thanks again, Sean. And uh, we'll chat again soon.
1: Yep. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Dan.
0: And that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really did enjoy talking to Sean and I hope to hunt with him in the near future. Maybe this fall we can get a trip planned. Either him come down here or me head up there and we can see what our states have to offer in terms of waterfowl hunting but if you have not already please hop online whatever platform you're listening on leave a review and a rating of the show Um, I try to find guests that will be interesting to everybody and I've been putting money into podcast equipment and so I hope you enjoy it please leave an honest review it doesn't have to be five star although that would be great Um, leave an honest review and a rating because that helps me figure out what I need to do, what I need to change as well as when I get higher ratings and higher reviews. Um, I think the platforms actually push it out to more people as those ratings and reviews go up. So thank you all for listening and until next time, always choose adventure and God bless. Invest in cleaner transport and your financial goals with Index IQ aligned with National Wildlife Federation. Invest in the cleaner ETF at CLNR. ETF.com.
1: consider the fund's investment objectives risks charges and expenses carefully before investing the prospectus includes this and other relevant information about the funds and is available by visiting IQETFs.com. read the prospectus carefully before investing alps distributors inc is the principal underwriter of the etfs nylife distributors llc is a distributor of the etfs alps distributors inc is not affiliated with nylife distributors llc nylife distributors llc is a member finra sipc